What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Today's episode of the Chase to Must podcast is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Panko Chicken. The new Atlanta restaurant thrives off of a unique spin on Japanese and Western cuisine and is already racking up the awards, winning best-selling taste in the Taste of Atlanta Awards, both in 2017 and 2018. So if you're in the metro Atlanta area and are wanting to try something new and good and delicious, Go to Panko Chicken today and tell them that I sent you over. You'll be glad you did, I promise. Panko Chicken, where eats meets West. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, welcome back to a Friday night edition of the Chase Thomas podcast, part one. Um, another part coming tomorrow. On the Arkansas Razorbacks. Oh, yeah. Chad Morris and uh, Matt Jones and Ryan Mallett and all kinds of other stuff I'm sure we'll talk about tomorrow. But anyway, we are not talking about Arkansas football right now. We are talking about professional wrestling because it's Friday. I have watched way too much wrestling in the last two weeks. Um, Last weekend, we had an AEW show. We had some anniversary, I feel like, was two weeks ago. We had um, Extreme Rules, and then we had two days of uh, WWE television, and then we had NXT, and then um, a G1 Climax is going on for NJPW. Like, it's so much wrestling, so much content. And to help me get through all of it, old friend Vaughn Johnson of, is it eagles.com or philadelphiaeagles.com? I feel like it's the latter. philadelphiaeagles.com or Philadelphia Digital Media, but, you know. Well, Philadelphia Eagles digital media, whatever, but, you know, Philadelphia Eagles. That's that's good right there. Enough. Vaughn, how are you doing, man? I'm good, man. Just, it's feels like it's 105 degrees up here right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, other than that, it's good, though. It's getting ready for camp. It's starting uh, for us uh, Wednesday. That's when the players report. And then Thursday is the first practice, and that grind begins. Uh, you messaged me before we got started that you had a, a piece to get up on Darren Sproles that he signed with the Eagles. And yeah, I've just assumed he's been an Eagle for like the last seven years. Oh, what is that? How old is he? Is this year 20? He is, uh, it's like 15 or 16, something like that. He's 36. Uh, he was a free, he was technically a free agent. He had, a, I think he had a one year deal last year and you know, it expired. And so he was technically signed free to sign anywhere he wanted. He's come back to Philly though, man. So you excited? Yeah, it's good to have Darren Sproles back. He still can get it done. Since you've been in this role, who have you enjoyed talking with the most in the Eagles? Uh, as far as players, mm-hmm. uh, they're all cool to talk to. We got a, we got a locker room full of good guys. So it's not really one specifically. I mean, I mean, if you're going to point out to one player who's like the best with the media, like everybody loves, it's probably Brandon Graham. Mm. Uh, he's he's awesome. Uh, he's been there for a sneaky long time too. Now he's coming yeah, up on so, ten years. He's the longest tenured eagle. Damn, that's wild. And I remember his, he's, he's got a, and he's good now. But he had that first like three or four years where 
people were looking at him as a bus and he came out of Michigan and there were all these expectations and he just he wasn't that guy and but he also wasn't getting a lot of snaps and he wasn't a starter for years but they kept him around and now he's he's really good yeah so year I think it's, I think this is year 10 or 11 for him so yeah BG what is Carson Wentz like I feel like he's either extremely boring or kind of interesting which one is it <laughs> I don't know all the players personally, so Carson was a good guy, though. They're all good guys. Okay. All right. Well, let's talk some professional wrestling, Vaughn. Um, I have to start with Brock Lesnar because he opened up Raw. He obviously cashed in on Seth Rollins on Sunday. Spoiler alert, something from five days ago. Um, <laughs> was Brock picking Seth over Kofi the right move for this company right now? Uh, for me, I mean, in my personal opinion, yeah, why not? Why, why would you want to pick Kofi against Brock? I mean, there's more history. Well, I guess I shouldn't say there's more history, but, um, I guess I always assume because I don't know if you saw the report this week that like SmackDown is trying to be a, trying to be seen as a real sport when they moved to Fox and part of that Fox appeal, like that's why we, the, the rumors like a year ago were that. Brock Lesnar and Ronda Rousey were going to end up on SmackDown because they want to have more of a fighter feel, uh, wins and losses matter, kind of like what AEW is doing, and they want it to be a different kind of product than than Raw. But then again, Heyman getting the Raw job as the creative lead, and there's some Bischoff stuff that came out today that just uh, extremely fascinating. But um, Heyman's running Raw, and obviously Brock is this dude, and Brock is back on top. Um, I, there's a lot of moving parts here, but I think you could have played back to the Kofi and Brock in uh, in Japan. What was that show called? They that Beast of the East show from yes. 2015 where Brock killed Kofi Kingston. So I don't know what that would be. Like, I don't know. That was such an odd show anyway. Like, they televised the house show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was Kofi Kingston, who at that point was nowhere near, like, title contention. And it was just, like, a random thing. It was, I guess it was just somebody that Brock could throw around. I don't, I don't think that was enough to, like, oh, m- remember this happened? And... Let's go off of that. I don't think that was enough. That was like, yeah. a much, much, very much a one-off, and it made way more sense to me from a, even from a storyline standpoint. Which, I mean, obviously WWE storylines don't always make one hundred, you know, sense, logical sense. But he just went against Seth at WrestleMania. Seth beat him. Uh, you know, they've had matches in the past. I, you know, you know, go back to twenty fifteen again, where Seth was the, uh, you know, WWE World Champ. Who did he beat for the title? And then. Who did he have a match at Battleground with that didn't even end? Because Undertaker showed up and uh, kicked Brock Lesnar in the ding ding. So uh, Brock Lesnar has waited a long time to really get his hands on Seth, and he finally kind of did it. You know, with uh, the cash in. This is this is when you think about it. Seth and Brock is like four years in the man. Like he's, Brock has waited like four years to properly get his hands on Seth Rollins, and he, and he got it. And everything else that happened before. Right. Seth has gotten the upper hand on Brock at least like when it comes to title matches. Twice, three times. I'm sure. I'm, if I recall, though, Brock, I'm pretty sure Brock F5 Seth Rollins dozens of times going into WrestleMania this year, but, you know, and championship matches finally got him. He got him himself one. He definitely did. And I thought it was, it was fine. Like, there was, um, um, it was an interesting way to go about it. I mean, Paul Heyman spelled it out last week on Raw that Brock was going to be cashing in and that um, he's playing mind games, blah, blah, blah. He may not, whatever. I I just, I always assumed it was going to be Kofi because I thought with the way Rollins beat Lesnar, beating him clean, because I didn't think that was going to happen. I thought Lesnar was just going to win at WrestleMania. And I was wrong. And I also didn't think Daniel Bryan would lose. So um, 
ultimately they both well at least one of them turned out to be the right call because ultimately i'm saying ultimately a lot here tonight but if the plan was to put the title back on brock anyway what was the point of giving seth rollins that rub because he's no better than what he was just a couple months ago and i think um social media obviously hasn't helped him either but the becky stuff i i don't know how you feel about this but um they're they're i understand like why they take it personally that people are like oh your on-screen chemistry is not very good but it's also like friend of the pod william r washington of rbr wrestling made this point of that like a lot of babyface couples just don't work on professional wrestling like it's just a heel thing there's just something about having a manager and that kind of on-screen relationship just being kind of heelish i don't know how it is but there are just not many success stories of babyface top star with babyface um female relationship partner whatever like miss elizabeth and randy savage obviously but it's not very often that happens and also becky lynch is better off by herself and seth rollins is better off by himself and i always thought it was just a bad idea to pair them um that being said the match was fun um it it was better than it should have been but i i I guess like if the plan and this goes back to like whether or not they even have a plan they thought they were going to do this months ago but yeah i doubt that right and that's the (laughs) whole thing is like do you what is the point what was the point of taking the title off brock at mania if you're just gonna have him win it back in a couple months in the summer well to get seth rollins a big win at wrestlemania yeah to prove that somebody can actually beat him even though seth beat him clean technically but he still kicked him in the ding ding right at any other match and he had to use the uh clean win seth won clean right he, well, I mean, he, that's an illegal move, technically. If he but the that, match not- hadn't started. Or had it? I don't even remember. This was months I, ago. This I was think, like 9,000 hours no, of actually, wrestling you're program. Right. I think Brock, didn't Brock attack him before the match, and then Seth did that, and then he hit him with like three uh, curb stomps, and that was the end of the match, essentially. So, either way, it was technically, I guess, a clean win. But either way, you got Seth a big win. You know, Brock had to lose at some point. He probably wanted some time off, too. I mean, <laughs> Brock ain't around. I mean, he doesn't need to necessarily... It's not like he need if he's going to take time off, he's going to drop the title. Obviously, he's done that in the past. That's why his reign was so long. But maybe, I don't know, maybe they got something else up their sleeve. I don't know. I mean, who knows what at this point. You know, you said that when Seth Rollins won the title, that has, they, they more than likely did not have an end game in mind as far as his title reign. I doubt they really fully know what they're going to do with Kofi's title reign. Because I, I, I did not see his title reign coming as far as him going into SummerSlam. As a champion, right? Maybe WWE didn't know that neither until it's just like, hey, you know what? Here we are. So, you know, let's just see what happens. I guess roll with that flow as far as Seth's title reign. You know, it really it was a waste of time. I think we can all admit that it was. it was a waste of time. I wouldn't say it's a waste of time. It got a good reign out of it, and he had a was it good? Do you, what was your favorite moment in the Seth Rollins title reign? I've seen far worse from. Yes. I don't know. Uh, way more champions. I think you're forgetting people like Jack Swagger, Jinder Mahal. No, I'm not even uh, like saying it's the worst rain or anything like that. I just think if uh, my idea was like, if you're going to give Kofi and Seth that rub, they better get long reigns to establish them because ultimately Raw needs top baby faces and SmackDown needs top baby face stars. And you have this opportunity with Rollins and Kofi to cement them as top guys. And they punted on one. So, I mean, it, it it sounds a little smarky to say that you can't look at Seth Rollins as a top guy anymore because of just losing to Brock and a cash in and all that kind of stuff. But especially because he did end up winning his rematch um, <laughs> rematch clause, even though it was technically over, folks, it's back. Just like uh, no commercial breaks during matches. So we'll just turn into two out of three false matches for everything and uh, get around it that way. But um, 
I don't know. I guess if I was booking this show and I was thinking a year out, I I just I wouldn't have taken the title off Brock. Well, you sad. know WWE isn't thinking a year out though. Right. That's just not how that goes. And plus at WrestleMania, Seth opened the show with a championship win. I yeah. mean, I guess never mind. That's a great way to open the show. Yeah. Brock finally loses because it had become very, very mundane. It was time for somebody else to be champion. So I don't think it was a waste of time at all. I agree uh, that it was time for think, someone else to be champion, but if you're going to put the belt on somebody else, you better give them a long reign. Well, I mean, in today's Brock day... Brock like age, the most dominant champion of, what, the last 10 years? Yeah, but he, the reason why, though, is because he didn't defend it every month. I think and the reason he, why is because he, he's Brock Lesnar and he's just... That's a, part of the issue. I mean, it's part of the reason, no doubt, but because he's Brock Lesnar, he's not around and he's not defending it every month, mm-hmm. so that extends it, you know, six, seven, eight, nine months further than he probably would have been. He still I mean, hasn't had a match on Raw since he's come back, right? No, I don't yeah. think so. So as I'm saying, like with Seth, I mean, when you're around, that's that's like people talk about, oh, the champion's never there, the champion's never there. You probably you probably rather he not be every week there every yeah. week because because Seth is there every week, so you get to see him every week, yeah. and that's he's see actually the- a good wrestler and he can do good stuff. Like Lesnar, right. no one wants to watch a Lesnar match every week, or but, just have Paul Heyman do the exact same promo week after week. But when Seth is around every week, that's when you begin to see the flaws in WWE storytelling mm. and that they can't tell good stories all the time. It's not really Seth Rollins' fault. It's really WWE's constant inability to tell stories over the course of weeks, which is a situation they put themselves in, no doubt. It's not like somebody put them in a situation. But that's why I didn't necessarily hate Brock not being there every week or not defending at every pay-per-view, which... I don't know why wrestling. I mean, I guess we've been conditioned over the last twenty years to think that's what should happen, but it's not. Hasn't always been the case. So you see, when Brock wasn't was champion, the championship felt big. It felt major. And when he lost it, it was a big deal. But when Seth is out there every single week, he doesn't feel as special, does he? So that's that's literally why Brock isn't there every week. Yeah, that's just he's a special attraction. Exactly. So that that's going to be anybody else but Brock Lesnar. Yeah, well, that's just how it is. So um, I don't think Seth Rollins' reign, like I said, I don't think it was a waste of time at all. He got that was a big run for him. That and it, yeah, it was only like three months. But that's not like a short amount of time in today's WWE. You know, the fact that Kofi's got it from WrestleMania to SummerSlam, that's a hell of a reign, in my opinion. That's just to me that I mean, that's like who how many other people get to do that in today's WWE? Just to get it to SummerSlam. So Seth got it a month before lost it a month before SummerSlam, but that's still, I mean, he, he'll have more reigns to come. I'm sure of it. And he's had reigns in the past. So Seth is fine. And it, I don't think it's a waste of time at all. Okay. Do you and if agree anything, it, got, with... it, it, it actually, I'm going to even cut you off, but it actually got somebody else in the title picture too. Because when you have Brock, they only put him against certain people. So like a Baron Corbin wasn't going against Brock Lesnar. Mm-hmm. Because Seth was a champion, you can open the doors up to other people because it's you know, the I wrong guess, people, folks, by the way. Like, Baron wrong. Corbin, I like a lot, especially in vacuum. But, like, his off-screen stuff, he's a much more natural talker. Like, he's he's great, but he has no business being in the main event of a pro wrestling show. He's just not good enough. He's a solid C- in the ring. And it, in today's company, you just can't do that. And you just, it's just WWE is otherwise. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they definitely do. Um, Vince, I love the story they, of Vince being, like, like, women love him. I'm just like that's I why guess. he's getting main events. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know anything about that. But WWE believes otherwise, and that's. I mean, he's I mean, there. they're wrong, but they do believe otherwise. Yes. I mean, to me, like, to me, this whole wrestling thing. I think we talked about this in the past. Mm-hmm. Super subjective. We, you might have your favorites, 
It's not even favorites. Like, it's just like there is an objective way of looking at professional wrestlers in the sense is of like, in-ring. Oh, absolutely. Like you can. I know. I don't know about that, man. Is there anyone who could like, actually make the case that the best three professional wrestlers in this company right now are not Daniel Bryan, Kevin Owens, and AJ Styles? Uh, some people might say Jack Gallagher. Some people might say oh, Jack. Gable. What? Some what do they do say, better? What? Like, is there those I'm three are complete there are packages? Other people, like, there. Some people might say who's in NXT right now. Uh. Adam Cole, Adam Matt Cole. Riddle, My, Matt Riddle, exactly. Velveteen Dream. It, oh, I love Dream, by the way. Dream is exactly. Still, so it's yeah. not wrestling. Is yeah, I understand. but they're not better. Like they're just not, and they're also Dream younger. And it's just, just because, like, say a Baron Corbin, mm-hmm. right? I can tell you're and a Baron I, Corbin guy. But no, no, I'm not really a Baron Corbin guy. I'm just this is how wrestling is, right? Mm-hmm. I say Baron Corbin is not a good technical wrestler. Correct. And, he's also just not a good professional wrestler. But continue. but. Just because he's not, that's only because you don't see him do it. Mm-hmm. You think when he went to the performance center, mm-hmm. you don't think they ever taught him how to chain wrestle? He's down there. He's down there with. It's not natural. I mean, he was a Arizona Cardinal lineman. Like he's he was just, a boxer too. Yeah, he's a gold plus boxer. So, but I'm saying they taught him how to do those basic things. Yeah, they. He's down there with Norman Smiley, uh, Robbie Brookside, mm-hmm. William Regal. Okay, those guys are all from the UK. Those guys all specialize in what? Technical wrestling. Mm-hmm. So, Baron Corbin is six eight, mm-hmm. and it's a Golden Gloves block boxer. He really should not be te- technically wrestling. Yeah, like, his character it doesn't make any sense for him to wrestle. Right. Like so that don't mean he's not good I agree at. with that. I don't mean he's not good at. It. He's he has a role. He's fit into that role. He's Tyson Tomko. Like it, it feels like if Tyson Tomko got wrestling main events to me. Like it's just crimson Tyson in a way Tomko, too. Like it's just wrong. Tyson Tomko wasn't remotely as charismatic. Oh, I love Tyson Tomko in the Christian era. I like Tyson Tomko too, but he Mm -hmm. wasn't. No, I agree. Their personality was different, but I think I was talking about more about like the pro wrestling aspect of it, where it was just like, oh, big guy gets pushed because he's big and he's working with an elite professional wrestler in Seth Rollins, and and Seth Rollins went over. Seth Rollins, he didn't even lose it. Seth Rollins didn't even lose to him, so it's like which he shouldn't. But there's just better people on the roster. It got Baron Corbin a little bit of a rub. He's a big time heel. People legit hate this guy. Right. So I guess in their minds are like, well, who is going to put him against? Because if he goes against somebody else, yeah, we might get a better match. But what's the story? That's what they're worried about the most, I think. And yeah, they got to. They that's probably WWE. But the story sucks. Like that's the worst Raw story. That's that's WWE's biggest issue. It's the storytelling. Because the best storytelling has been Ricochet and the club. Like the way they built that up, and that's been great. Like the backstage slaps, the the just basically the club getting on to AJ of like, hey, you you you've lost your edge, you've lost blah blah blah, and he's like, y'all lost like, what kind of right do y'all have to come at me? Y'all lost like every match ever, and they pushed each other, and it makes sense that they got back together of like, you know what? Yeah, I lost my title, and I moved to Raw, and I've been kind of floating, and I've lost my edge, and then the club gets their edge back, and there it's that whole premise of we're better together. And it works, yeah. and also it makes Ricochet look like a million bucks. And I, I've loved that feud from top to bottom. And I, I think there are ways around it. But also, two great professional wrestlers. Who knew that fans could get invested in just two great professional wrestlers having a good feud? You, like you can script a better feud than Baron Corbin and Lacey Evans versus Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch. Do I'm you sure have... you. Could. Oh, go ahead. I'm sure you could. But here's the thing about pro wrestling, right? Like I said. You get you have your favorites. That don't mean it's objectively it's favorites. I really would love to hear someone explain to me how AJ Styles is like a, not a better professional wrestler than like I don't know. Um, Telling me people out there they love Okada, they love Kenny Omega, they love like they I'm love about in they, the WWE or just in WWE. People yes. love Kevin Owens. People love like I said, my the top names, three. 
All right, but what about, like I said, Chad Gable, oh, God. Jack Gallagher? Like people, look, you ask those people. That's what uh-huh. people are saying right now. Yeah. I'm saying, like, they have their favorites. You could say, oh, Chad Gable is technically better. And he better be technically better. He's an Olympian. So he's definitely, he, that's not even objective. That's an objective thing to say about him over, let's say, AJ Styles. He well, can, who would you rather watch? Would you rather watch a 15 minute Chad Gable match or a 15 minute AJ Styles match? That has nothing to do, but all right. That's that, part that, of professional that, wrestling. It's like, would you sit there and watch a 15 minute match with this person or this person? Point, that goes to my point. That's not an objective thing question to ask. That's, that's all no, about that's part so, of the pro wrestling makeup. That's like if you're yeah, scouting, that's, you're that's like, all hey. your, your, your opinion though. Like, who would you rather watch? That's nothing. There's no stats to say, oh, I would rather watch mm. this person. It's just, this is my taste. This is my preference. You see what I'm yes. saying? That's, not, that's all I'm saying, baby. It's, that's what I understand. Like, when you had the Seth Rollins and Zack Sabre Jr. stuff, and everybody's like, well, Seth Rollins isn't better than this guy, or whatever. Like, bro, like this is all. I think we forget that sometimes. We try to make it objective, and I, I think that's you know, I, I, we're we're all deep into this, and I think in our own minds we come up with opinions based off of really somebody else's opinions of what's a good wrestler, what's a good match. You know, it's really based off of other people's opinions, pundits and whatnot. But at the end of the day, we kind of get lost in the weeds and think, not forgetting that this is really art. What you may like, somebody else may not like. So there's no objective way to define who's better and who's not. It's just who you like and who you don't like, and, pe- and that's pretty much it. So some people, there's bunch of people out there who like Baron Corbin. I like I, Baron Corbin as I've like an intercontinental this- title guy. He's just not. He's miscast essentially. All right, that that's that's a. I think that's a better criticism to say he's objectively not good. I think he's objectively not a good professional wrestler, but we'll we'll leave it there. We'll leave it there. You're not going to sway me on this. Um, do you agree though that Seth and Becky don't have good on-screen chemistry? Uh, it is a little odd because Becky, the whole premise of her being the man and like coming, the whole whole rise is that she didn't need anybody. She didn't need right. a man. She was the man. Yes. And it was kind of weird that she she suddenly. I mean, Seth Rollins' fault for going public with this relationship. Like, it's honestly I we guess, can root it back to his mean, Instagram post. Also, Charlotte and Andrade are public. I don't mean they're not they're not on screen an on screen couple. I have a theory on that, but continue. <laughs> but, but you but you get my point though. It's like mm-hmm. they don't necessarily have to do that. No, Carmella, you know? Corey Graves, it's, like they it don't. Just yeah, came out of nowhere. It's not like it really. There was like a reason for it. It just like they just kind of ran with it. I, me personally, I wouldn't have done it. Right. I think Becky Lynch is just better off on her own being yes. a badass. And Seth Rollins is better off on his own. Yes. I, th- I don't think it helped either one of them. I wonder if they pitched it. Like, that's part of it, too. Like, we don't know what goes maybe. on behind the scenes. I wonder if they were like, hey, we want to do a program together this summer. Hey, maybe they did. And they got they probably have that kind of pull. It got WWE through a couple tough months during the summer where they got some, you know. But that was the I, worst thing on Raw. Like, that's been the worst feud by far. Is yes, it not? And- Look, a lot of WWE stuff is not great right no, now. No, but Raw's been good the last couple weeks. Like, I love the club stuff. I love the 24-7 stuff. I love the Miz stuff. Like, there has been a lot of great just stuff on Raw, yeah, but, like, the only thing the that's been terrible. Weeks, the last couple, before the last couple weeks, though, it was rough. Yeah. A lot of that stuff just started, and, I mean, I don't know. what. It, look, it got them through these couple months, these down periods. It got Baron Corbin a chance at being main events. Lacey Evans... I mean, for her... What do you think she, about her? She is not ready for main events no. yet. Can we talk it's about not, the camera shots, by the way? Oh, the one where they zoom right up to a butt? Yeah, yeah like they did that twice. So someone made a note about that at Extreme Rules. But I'm like, if y'all watch SmackDown, that week, like that leading leading up to it, that Tuesday before, they did something similar. 
And I wrote down in my notes, I was like, what is going on with the camera guy? Like, are they telling them to zoom in on this? What is happening? It's weird to me uh, because I don't think it's necessary, but. No, you don't like, that's the whole thing with Vince. It's like, you don't have to like, just like, it's good to move off the PG stuff. You don't go PG to like 1998. Like you don't have to to sexualize. sexualize Like you can still be an adult show and not do that. Right. She's just because she's a woman doesn't mean she had to be sexualized. Right. You have more adult oriented product. But literally zooming up somebody's butt as they're getting into the ring is kind of weird. Like that's it just was like just, come on. it was jarring. It was like the chair shot to Cody, where you're like, "Oh, this feels extremely out of place and gross," and you're like, "What the hell is this?" Yeah, so it, it was that was a bit weird. But Lacey Evans, she's got potential. She wouldn't have been in WWE if she wasn't remotely good. They're, to me, she's all of them. Are, yeah, she's a good talker. She's got. She plays her character well. She she still needs polish yes she, maybe she's rushed into this spot but she still needs polish doesn't mean she's not talented at all she's good yeah and she'll she will be good with more experience like i think people forget though it's like it takes a long time to be good at wrestling and she wasn't in nxt very long right she got called no. pretty quickly and so if anything you put that blame on wwe not necessarily her for, for putting her in a spot this early but it takes a long time to run with somebody like seth rollins you know how long seth rollins been doing this or becky lynch been doing this even baron corner's been like six seven years in probably He's he's been at NXT for he went to NXT a while ago. Yeah, so it takes a long time to be as good as some of the best that we some of the people that we consider the best. It takes a while to get to that point, and she's still got a ways to go yet. But that don't mean she can't have a passable match, you know, or a decent match. She still she can she can go. It's just to perform at the same level as like a Seth Rollins, and in my opinion, a Seth Rollins or Becky Lynch, it takes some more time. How long does Lesnar keep the belt? I don't think it keeps it very long. I think some people are like, "Oh, let's get ready for the, you know, the the uh, the marathon that's going to be Brock Lesnar's title reign." I don't think it's going to keep it that long. I, I think would rule out Seth Rollins winning it back. He might, but I, I just I don't. It's regardless of who wins it, I don't see Brock Lesnar holding it for like another eight, nine, ten months. I just, I for one, I would not be in favor of it. Uh, and two, it's just I don't see. It. I think WWE is going to kind of try to uh, you know, swerve us, I guess, and you know, get us thinking that's going to be a long title reign, but he loses it like at maybe SummerSlam or even as early as Survivor Series or something like that. Like, I can see that happening. Yeah, um, I guess it depends on who you give the next rub to because like, that's the best thing about Brock Lesnar is he is still a gigantic star. He still like, he pulls in ratings. Like I remember reading just like two years ago, like the difference between lesnar appearances like advertise appearances for raw versus any other night and lesnar is still very much a draw people want to see brock lesnar and it helps that he's not there every single week right but it also just helps him existing where like in this universe like there is now an avenue for someone like they just built off the beast slayer like his whole character is based off like he did the king slayer and now the beast slayer like there is value in putting over a younger guy or not even just younger, but just the up and coming baby face. Like Brock Lesnar is extremely valuable. If you put it on the right person, I just look at the raw roster and there's only one person that makes sense to me and they're just not going to do it. Who would you guess my opinion on this is? I don't even know who's on each show anymore. Cause they just kind of obliterate the, the brand extension. So I kind of lost track. Uh, so I'm just kind of thinking of top of my head. Uh, Cause Roman Reigns is on SmackDown technically, right? Mm-hmm. Technically. So I guess he, he would be out of that equation. Mm-hmm. Uh, Samoa Joe is technically on Raw. No, he's on SmackDown. Yes. I don't see that. This... No, yes, he's so... on Raw. I think Samoa Joe's on, on Raw. He was just fighting Kofi Kingston for the WWE title. I titles. know, but he's a Raw superstar, I'm pretty sure. See, this is this is what I'm saying. This is confusing. Yeah. So, 
Let me. I'm gonna give a. I'm trying to give a good guess at this. So, I think baby faces that could really use a Brock Lesnar rub at SummerSlam. Braun Strowman? No, he's. I, I'm out on Braun Strowman. I mean, and it's a shame because he was he was hot maybe a year or two ago, and WWE just people actually bought into like I remember the like, no, really smart wrestling people thought that he had a chance to be the face of the company because of how over he was, and I was like. At what point in time, like, can you show me one instance where Vince McMahon was going to put Braun Strowman on the Today Show as his top guy? Like, are you kidding I, me? Braun Strowman huge. has nothing he's, that Vince wants as a top guy. Absolutely nothing. He's hey, wait, 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 wait. We're talking about Vince McMahon. Yes. Who doesn't like big guys all of a sudden? No, I'm not saying he doesn't like them. He uses them and then he realizes they're not that good. And then he turns them into comedy characters. Like we can go from Vladimir Kozlov to Snitsky to like, there are so many more examples of great Kali. Like the, those don't end up well. Like there's a reason that they end up not being super. So, all right. Vladimir Kozlov and Kali are terrible examples because they both can barely speak English. <laughs> I'm not, so, I mean, Braun doesn't really talk people. either. Like he just Braun comes can new- talk. But he's uh, got, he can't really, his promos no, suck, but no, he, if he's on a today show, he can, he he's bad. funny. But I'm saying no, like you don't. Be I don't funny. think Vince wants oh, to no, 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 no. We got to pause here for a second. Braun Strowman has got a lot of personality, dude. They're not putting his trucker cat, trucker hat if, on Today Show. If you see him on social media and stuff like that, he could be. He'd be great on this. I personally think he'd be great on this Today he's Show. He's out here meeting with W. Like, no, he's not no, the face he'd be of the fine. There's a reason why he even got the spot to begin with. It's because he's huge. He's massive. He's believable. Then they tried to put the microphone in his hand because they know he's got something that he can say. It didn't work out because they scripted his verbiage out too much. That's more WWE. It's the Ryback stuff. It was just a better version of Ryback. Mm, That's not totally terrible to say. But, I, mean, but, I loved Ryback back in the but day. Ryback I miss Ryback. Was great. I got, Ryback was great when he, fir- when he first brought him out. And guess who ruined him? It's WWE. Like, yeah. this is not... You, you keep putting this on the talent, like as if Braun Strowman doesn't I'm not have. I'm putting on the talent. I, I just think he's not very good. Like Braun Strowman's just not very good. He's already outkicked his coverage. Like how when he debuted with the Wyatt family, I don't think any of us saw him being this big in the. Company. No, we did not. But yeah. that means that's on us for underestimating him. Once we saw him out of that him. show, he wrestles it, the same it, match. It, it, it just, I don't expect him to do it. It's again, this is. His, this is again back to the argument about Brandon Corbin. He's not going to be out there chain wrestling. He's yeah, not going to. So I'm, not, I'm out. I guess it's my taste. It's like I don't, I'm good on Braun Strowman matches. I don't want to watch Braun Strowman main events in my life ever I, again. Do you remember that stretch where gets, they did Braun Strowman versus like Kevin Owens and then Braun Strowman versus Balor and someone else on Raw a couple weeks in a row? And I was like, this shit has got to stop. He sucks, well, and he's just burying these people, and it just it's bad for everybody involved. I I don't know. I'm not a Braun guy, but. Well, that's your opinion. I, I, <laughs> be, I be, you hate like all of my wrestling opinions. This is great. I just vehemently disagree. Braun Strowman. I think Braun Strowman has a lot of talent. They put him against other big guys because it's like their attraction, big versus big. It's like no, you put him against smaller guys, and you have much better matches because Styles clashes make better matches than him versus Bobby Lashley, which wasn't like a bad match. Braun Strowman's got it. It's, it's just they don't use it because they had Brock Lesnar's champion and they didn't want to lose a title, have him lose a title. But also, Brock Lesnar. They is had extremely some- more valuable than. Braun Strowman. Well, of course, because Brock Lesnar's a mainstream star, and Bra- yes, Braun, and Braun will never not. be that. He could be if they uh... actually give him a chance to do so. That's what I'm saying. Like, you can't just project out. The f- I think he, I think he could be good. It's just, again, it's a, it's a lot of things. The same reason why a lot of guys don't get over at WWE. It's because WWE doesn't fully let them. It, 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 it that's circumstantial it's, sometimes it's, like get people get over like the dana bryan stuff in spite of it and that's like a helpful thing to like have the the crowd and the wrestling fans like oh it's him against the machine that kind of stuff um, right zach Ryder. but 
they could have easily stamped. They they did stamp Zack Ryder out. They could have easily stamped Daniel Bryan out. What were we gonna say? Oh, Daniel Bryan. I mean, Bryan they did stamp it. Daniel Bryan out. Like they put him with the Wyatt family when he was. Then they most put over. him back in that spot, and then after they realized they fucked up, right? Like, they could. They were it. trying they to put that out. Like the company can rewrite history all they want, but they were adamantly trying to stop well, the Daniel Bryan. And that's Bryan what I'm saying. But imagine if he never even got this the the resurgence that he got in 2014, and then came back was WWE champion again this past year. It's a self fulfilling prophecy. We can we can easily say that oh he just doesn't have it because he's never Who, been Daniel Bryan. People, no. So there's some people out there who probably would have said he's just not that good or something like that. Of course, we all loved him. He's a great. Those are bad. That's an actually objectively bad wrestling opinion. I don't know how you I, don't what, like what. What does Daniel Bryan not do well? Somebody he can be a babyface. He can be a heel. He's a great wrestler. He's literally everything you look for in a professional wrestler. Yes, we. I fully 100 percent agree with you. But if he never got to that spot, somebody would have said. Guarantee you, somebody would have said out there. Oh, he's just too small, or he's just not cut out for this big oh, those time. Like dumb. It would have happened, and it's the same thing happened now with Braun Strowman. It's, it's it, you don't know until you get that spot. And I think Braun Strowman is capable. He just never got that spot. They had something in was it 2017 when he was going against yeah, Brock. The Roman Reigns dude. He was. He was they hot. had yeah. something there. There was something there. Even into 2018, there was something there, and it just never capitalized on it. That's not Braun Strowman's fault. He went out there and busted his ass every week and did everything he could. And the people were with him. They were definitely with him. That's his best quality. He got over. Like it, That's you... the only quality you need in wrestling, though. What other uh, qualities? I mean, there's some bad wrestlers that get over. Like, I don't think just because no, you get over. Getting you... over is what it's all about. That's what literally what it's all about. You want people to watch. You want people to buy t-shirts. You want yeah, people to buy tickets. I don't how, how good of a wrestler you are. If you're not over, what good are you to me? Yeah, that's fair. I, I will agree with that did point. So everything... we agree, though. Um, we agree that Braun Strowman sucks. And yes, the guy who um, gets the rub, because you did not guess correctly. I'll just go ahead and tell no, you. Yeah, let's get back on task, I guess. <laughs> the Miz. The Miz. That's... Miz is the one. Because you can tell the story of, like, The Miz, they've really fucked this up the last couple months. And I think the brand split getting wishy-washy is part of this, where, like, certain, like, storylines are on both shows now. The Shane Man stuff and um, Drake Maverick gets some time on both shows. Like, it's just certain people are able to be there on both nights but i don't think rollins has been on smackdown since this so it's like they're weird about who appears on both shows and all that kind of stuff but um i just think the miz has done a great job as a baby face and he has to win something and which is shocking because i never thought the miz would ever no, make a face he's been great in the miz i just i want him to get his moment and i don't know where it's going to come because you look at the raw roster you look at his options and i just i don't know like the shade stuff is bad for him Fox, it ain't happening against Brock. I don't see that happening. No, I don't think it's going to happen, but if I was booking Monday Night Raw, that's what I'm booking, is Lesnar Miz and giving Miz that bump. I, look, I'm a, I'm a Miz fan. I just don't see them putting... That's a problem. I don't, I don't either. They don't, they don't put everybody against Brock. So, like, Seth... That's so why I like Seth. Anybody else is champion, because the Miz might get a chance at a Seth Rollins, or an Elias might get a chance, or... You name any other wrestler that, that might get a chance at the title or at the, in the main event spot, something like that. But with Brock, it's like a s- certain few. It's a Bobby Lashley. It's a Braun Strowman. It's a Seth Rollins. It's a Roman Reigns. Uh, it's it's a Baron Corbin. It's a Samoa Joe. It's people who are kind of bigger or they already have credentials and they're already top guys. But you're not going to bring up. I mean, Miz is a top guy. I'm not going to sit and deny Miz is not a top guy and doesn't have credentials. But obviously, he's not 6'3, 250 pounds. He's, you know, maybe 6'1 and. 220 or something like that but 
you know, and he's not over. It's not like a Daniel Bryan where he's so over you give him the spot, or like a uh, Kofi Kingston, you got to give him the spot, or even like a Finn Balor who's not like super duper over, but the character with the demon and all that that. You know that he, even though he didn't use a demon against Brock at the Royal Rumble, which still don't make any sense to me. But you know, it's neither here nor there. Kevin Owens, one of my other three favorite professional wrestlers, came out of nowhere. It's been a weird year since he's come back from injury. Um, he was kind of out, like so, like the Saudi show. He like left, so Ziggler was inserted, and then like he popped back up, and now he's basically a badass babyface, and the Sami Zayn stuff just disappeared. Like he's had a very weird creative year, but. I, I want to know from you, because I've, I mean, look, I, I've said on this show for the last couple of years that there's not a better professional wrestler than Kevin Owens. There's just not. Like, he does everything that you would possibly want as a wrestler. He can change the crowd. He, he controls it. He can be a top babyface. He can be a top heel. He can get crowd into any kind of match. He can work big, work small. doesn't matter. Like, Kevin Owens can do everything. Um, but... This spot is interesting because you have Kofi, you have him on top with the New Day, you have a lot of talent on SmackDown, and I don't know what you do with him right now because he's red hot. Obviously, you have him beat Shane if they keep Shane strong for the foreseeable future. I guess it's not a possibility, but that'd be dumb as shit. And that whole thing with how Shane has looked against Roman Reigns has been dumb. Like, why are you pitting them as equals? Like, this is all extremely stupid. The Shane stuff is dumb. It's unbelievably dumb. And it's just bad for these guys. And I, I don't know. I guess my question to you is, where does where does Kevin Owens go? What does this the rest of his summer look like? What would you I do? Have, I have no idea. And it's almost like, I guess he goes against Shane at some point. But it's almost like to me, it's hard to really chart out. Done that. Yeah, you know, the but Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens stuff. Like we had a hell, what was that a Hell in a Cell? The roles are reversed now. Shane's the bad guy. Kevin's yeah. the good guy. So no, so thank you. Who oh, wants this? Look, it's WWE. That's who wants it, and that's what's going to happen. I don't want it neither, trust me. Because Shane is not believable as beating up for wrestlers. That should not happen. I, right. I vehemently disagree. Especially Roman Reigns? This, this is the big dog, right? He's knocking out Brock Lesnar. And he can't... He's taking punches from Shane McMahon? Come on now. Let's, let's not get carried away. But it's hard to chart out a lot of things because you don't know... Like, until at least SmackDown, I think, starts up in October, which I know is like three months away. But they have to like kind of like hit a reset button on this brand split and like kind of get people settled back into brands, settled back into like storylines because everybody's so all over the place. You don't know what the hell's gonna happen and who they might be working with. So I think I think once they get to October, once the SmackDown starts up on Fox, that's when you kind of see things kind of settle down. They have to. They have to. Right. Am I crazy? Uh, I don't think so, because like today's report that Eric Bischoff has no creative role in smackdown after that big announcement did you see this i did not see this so the observer is reporting that he will not have a creative input into smackdown why so it's ryan ward's (laughs) show still it was good so what is so what is he going to be doing then like doing fox like basically integrating them like wwe into the fox family like i guess helping them with digital and all kinds of other stuff but he's not going to actually be booking these so he's, shows. He's more of TV producing type right. stuff. Huh. That's interesting because it made it seem like it was going to be like a top of creative role. I guess the creative team is like going to be... They positioned it as like Bischoff versus Heyman. I mean, not only versus, but they reported it as if like they got 
this is their show and this is this other show. Right. They make the final decisions on what happens on these shows, including creative. Maybe he's not coming up a creative, but he's given the final say and that he's reporting it to Vince, who, of course, always has the ultimate final say. So that's interesting. I didn't I didn't know that. I'm assuming Paul Heyman is not like going to be like that because. No, Paul Heyman's not like that. Well, to me, it's not totally terrible because Bischoff, I mean, he was never known for like creatively right. being like great. Like uh, he, he had his TV connections. He did do well with WCW. He had a couple of really good ideas. I'm not saying he can't do it at all, but he's not like on a level of like a Paul Heyman who can create something out of nothing, at least from what I saw back in the day. Bischoff, as many good ideas as he had, he also had some rough ones too. Just many rough. And Paul Heyman, I'm sure, has had his rough ideas too. But it seemed like Bischoff had way more. <laughs> they were on a national level. So maybe that's not the worst thing in the world, but eh, we'll see. We'll see. Um, the Kevin Owens Robert- stuff is tough because, like, where does he. What can he do? Because if it's not Shane, like, he. I don't know if you can sacrifice Kofi to him. And um, he's a bigger deal than Kofi right now, but Kofi's had a great run. And I love Kofi and all that kind of stuff. But. I, I just I don't know what you do because you look at the SmackDown roster and you're just like, ah. is it Brian? I think it's got to be Brian. That's probably the right answer. Is if Brian's going to stay at heel, if you give the fans heel Daniel Bryan versus babyface Kevin Owens at SummerSlam, like that's just that's perfect. That's probably what I would do. But I I don't know. I I think there is a cap on how high you can go just because Kofi okay. is sitting there at the top spot. Maybe he's going after the IC title, Shinsuke. I don't know. Maybe that's a thing. Maybe. I don't want that. Shinsuke's Shinsuke's bad. Um. Yeah. Shinsuke is not bad. He's, he's just, just been bad professional mis- wrestler. Talk about somebody who's been horribly miscast in WWE. What's been your favorite Shinsuke Nakamura? My favorite main roster match. Main roster match. He had a hell of a match with John Cena a couple years ago. That's true. That was two uh, and, years and, ago? And Randy Orton. Yeah, but ca- again, what have they done with him as far as creatively yes. since? Like that, that those the matches stuff was terrible, was, obviously, but... Right, but those matches took place when he was still on the ascent, before he was undefeated. Like, when, that's when he was undefeated, before they started beating him every two weeks. And it's like, what do you do in these nothing matches that don't mean anything, that have no stakes, and then he loses? He doesn't really look that good. No, Shinsuke's got way, he's capable way more than what we've seen over the last couple of years. We saw, we've seen it again against Cena, against Orton. Hell, you can go back to New Japan. It wasn't that long ago. His last match in New Japan with AJ Styles was a classic. Of course, his first match in NXT with Shins, uh, Sami Zayn, classic. So he's, he's more than capable. It's just that when you're out there for five minutes in a match that has no stakes, you don't care about, it's not memorable. It's, again, that's not on the talent. The talent, they go out there, they bust their ass, they do what they can do. That's on WWE. I put that squarely on WWE. Yeah. Um, did you see HBK is gonna be on SmackDown as a commentator? Is that full time? I don't think so, but I, also, hear about that. I don't know if it was like specific. That's gonna be I feel like I've been negative on this podcast, but he's uh not good at this. Uh, have you watched him on the pre show at all? Uh, I avoid the pre-show like a plague. So he's um, not good at this. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, he's never been like a commentator type. Like Right. Like there are some guys who just it's natural for them. Like Big Show is the perfect guy. Like that too should be the next SmackDown commentator. Because I don't like Corey Graves beyond both shows anyway. But yeah, that's, that's dumb. Big Show was good. And his limited appearances, I was like, okay, Big Show can do this. I don't know if he wants to do the travel. And I think that's part of it you have to think about. But I... Uh, 
that would be my choice, but Shawn Michaels would not be at the, the top of my list, I would say. Well, he's got a name. So in their minds, hey, people will watch to hear Shawn Michaels. People still like Shawn Michaels. I guess. Do they? Do people still care? I guess they care. I don't know. Um, so, do you think Corey stays on Raw and SmackDown after they move to FS1, or do you think he I does get replaced? Doesn't make. I think he stays on one show, and that's it. Yeah. What, what would you? Where do you think he has better chemistry? Because I think it's SmackDown, but he'll probably stay on Raw. I think he'll stay on Raw. I think he's their main color guy, and he's been in that spot for a while. So I think he'll stay on Raw. But they should. He she definitely only be on one show for his own sake. Just be on one show. Why would you like? Maybe I don't know if he gets paid more being on both shows. But if he doesn't, if his salary does not go down beyond only one show, why not get the extra day off? On you know, being at home an extra day or something like that. So, uh, yeah, only be on one show. Plus, it helps the show be distinctively different. It's hard to really distinguish between the two shows when you have this, literally the same commentator on both shows. And of course, the announcer styles is just carbon copies of each other. The way the play-by-plays call it, and the way the color commentators, you know, have their bickering and arguments, stuff like that. I, I, if you couldn't tell, I don't like WWE's announcing style. Mm-hmm. I think well, again, Live is great, and NXT is good. Yes, but they're. I would imagine. I, mean, I know NXT is not doesn't have that same style, and Mar Ronaldo and per, you know, I know some people don't like Percy Watson, but he's he's fine. He was fine. Nigel, but, There's Nigel not enough there to like dislike. It's like the Beth Phoenix stuff. Like she's not good. Right. She's not bad either. It's just she's fine. there. Right. He'd probably be way worse if he's on the main roster because that's how the main roster makes people a lot of times. But of but course, Nigel, three man boosts are hard. That's I hate three man boosts. Yeah, honestly, um, I think they're. I mean, they rarely work in normal sports. Like the you only look at the way it works is two five live. It's Aiden English, Nigel, and uh, Vic Joseph. They're really good. But that's it. Yeah, well, hey, I'm not surprised by that because because Nigel McGuinness is fantastic. Aiden English is he's good. I mean, he's a wrestler and he knows what he's talking about, so that helps. Uh, but. Again, three-man boosts, I don't know why. Even AEW has three-man boosts. I don't understand why they feel like it's necessary. They're not. Every, there's Sports only been like, like There's just been this obsession in recent years about but everybody's going to be not a three-man really, booth. It's not really all across sports. It's yeah, like MLB all- has it. Like MLB, the Sunday Night Show does. Um, a lot of Braves games, like even the local stuff will. Like uh, There's only like two great three-man booths ever. And it's like the, the original, the one from Monday Night Football. Where like no, Frank- which one? Are you talking about the one with Kornheiser? No, I'm talking back in the 70s. Oh, okay. I wasn't um, alive, so I was not familiar. <laughs> talking, well, I wasn't either, but I know that uh, you had Howard Cosell, Frank Gifford, Danny Don Meredith. That was like a legendary trio. Then you got the one, even the basketball one now with Mike Breen, and Stan Van Gundy, and Mike, Mark Jackson. That's it's a good, good You just don't need trio. Mark Jackson. Uh, I don't, Jeff Van Gundy complains a lot. He sounds like Seinfeld calling the basketball game, but they mm. work together just fine. Like, that. I'm not offended by that th- trio. Right. I'm not, I don't think any of us. Yeah, that's are trash. I hate three man booths for the most part. I mean, I don't, like I said, I named two that I kind of like. Other than that, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Love it. Like, I'm, I don't, I don't need them. So every two man booth that I can remember, it's like, you look at the great commentating teams, it's usually two people. And that's across sports, all across sports. So I don't know why WWE has this obsession with three people. Uh, it's good for the third person involved. They get it. They get the job. <laughs> you know, they get they get to pay their bills. But it's to me, it's not necessary, and it's, it it only adds clutter. It adds this more useless noise, especially when they're not talking about the match. And then when they have the guest commentator, there's four people now, and it's like, oh come on, like this is too much going on. I can't. You're not letting this thing breathe. It's like you forget that I'm watching a television, not watching like listening to a radio or something. 
Last so, thing, and then we'll wrap up. Okay. Um, Finn Balor, he's going to take some time off, but before he goes, he's going to eat a pin from Bray Wyatt at SummerSlam, it seems like. Bray Wyatt debuted after months of great television. Like he, The Firefly Funhouse was way better than I expected it was going to be. Um, great character work. It was good. Um, and then Bray Wyatt did the sister Abigail and he's back in the ring. You're like, oh, right. This is why none of us like Bray Wyatt. It's because he just sucks as a professional wrestler, but he's so, so you go good again. in his videos. He's so go good. Again. He's terrible. Are you kidding? Are you excited about a Finn Balor Bray Wyatt match? Can you recall one great Bray Wyatt match? Can you recall one? He's not about the in-ring performance. No, he's not. And we're getting Matt versus Balor. Like, that's the whole thing. That's the problem of Bray Wyatt. Every time he goes away and comes back, people get excited, and then he starts wrestling, and you're like, oh, right. He's like a C-minus wrestler. It's just like a lot of other people. He's fine. He's not Shawn Michaels. He's not Seth Rollins. He's different. That he's doesn't bad. Mean he's he could say he's bad. Not bad. Doesn't mean he's terrible. He's a different style. I think a lot of people, I think everybody wants everybody to be like, Shawn Michaels, Seth Rollins, AJ, Okada, o- Omega. They're big guys it, who can work. I mean, Moose was good. Uh, Michael Elgin, Brian Cage. They're big dudes who can work. Kevin Owens. They're big guys who can work. Big E. There's all kinds of big guys who can and, work. And Bray Wyatt can't have a good match. No, he cannot. Okay, well, I disagree with that again. <laughs> but here's some you might disagree with me on. I'm, I'm going to take the negative stance on, on this. I did not think that his debut was all that exciting. I saw rave reviews online about how awesome it was and how scary it was and and this is coming from me i I like the firefly funhouse because it's so out there so ridiculous and it's just like absurd it's like you know that's what he kind of needs it's like some absurd stuff but when he's in the arena when he's in the ring he should be this is a criticism i always had about barry wyatt more based off reality than like fantasy like the stuff that he did to firefly funhouse was fun right but when he's in the arena i don't need horror movie sound effects and lighting like that stuff works for the undertaker and kane they're the exceptions who else does it really work for it hadn't worked for barry wyatt he's been supernatural for like five years and it done it's done nothing for him and i don't i don't understand why they're going back to that that the it's just it just felt like old bray wyatt but now he's got a scary mask and I was like, well, no, you could do something different. Like, don't do the sound effects. Don't do I mean, the light. Do the Kane stuff. Like, he's gonna go full Kane here. That, and that's to me. That's I'm out on that. I mean, I'm that's out. his best case scenario. Is Kane. That's who it's always been. This is his best to case me, scenario. But to me, no, don't do any special effects. No sound effects. None of that. Make him a, a reality based horrific. There are plenty of scary people out here who don't have superpowers. <laughs> you you can look at any cult leader. And they've never had superpowers. <laughs> they don't need them. They're still scary. They're still crazy. He doesn't need superpowers. He doesn't need horror movie sound effects. I just don't find it necessary. Now, this time will tell, obviously, it's where this goes. I'm just not a fan of the all the bells and whistles that WWE feels is necessary for whatever reason. And I don't agree with it. Okay. I think That's really- somebody who likes Bray Wyatt. I've always been a fan of Bray Wyatt. I just... Never liked the whole all the bells and whistles they put into him. He's just he'd be great if he could wrestle, but unfortunately he cannot. I keep um, telling me that's not what it's all about. That you got thousands of people. I mean, it's up not what it's all about, things. but like there's a ceiling in today's world where you just you just can't. You have to be a good wrestler. Like it's just part of it. You have to have both, or you at least really? have to be a good wrestler. But if you want to be the complete package, you have to have both. All right. So there's a lot of great wrestlers out there. How mm. many of them would you consider to be mainstream stars? It's not about mainstream. Wrestling's not mainstream. I'm, 
Yeah. It can be. Uh, if, I think it's over. I don't think we're ever going to get No, I don't think it is. If people, if you got somebody that people want to watch, they will watch. Uh, I think that the, the boom period's if, over. There's not going to be another watching, boom period. It's people just... watching Love and Hip Hop, if people are watching these terrible reality shows, they'd watch these guys too. If there's somebody that people wanted to see. You gotta want to see these people. You gotta want to, You gotta want to go out of your way to see these people. Every time Conor McGregor has a fight, and then no doubt, Conor McGregor is one of the best fighters of all time. So that that helps. But you can win a ton of fights, and no one knows who you are. But it, it's everything else that comes with it that made Conor McGregor a star. You know what I'm saying? I just like think Amanda it's a niche thing. I think the sport Amanda is a Nunez. niche thing. People don't just randomly tune into SmackDown. I just they don't would, think that exists. If, if they they would come to they would come. Because most of these people who don't watch wrestling anymore, they watch wrestling at certain points. At one point, when there was people you had to go out of your way to see. You had to go out of your way to see, see Steve Austin. You had to go out of your way to see The Rock. Who's in wrestling right now that you had to go out of your way to see? And, and I'm not saying they're, they're not good at what they do. And I'm not saying they're not talented. They're all super talented. There's a ton of talented wrestlers out there. And maybe that's, again, that's on WWE for not putting these guys in these positions to be mainstream stars. But to me... Again, it's not all about the wrestling in-ring ability. You can have a ton of in-ring ability, but if you're not exciting, this is re- this is entertainment. This is wrestling at the end of the day. It's not like an. Is still you still got to be somewhat entertaining. Yeah, I, I would like to see a more sports-oriented, sports-oriented uh, wrestling product, but you can still have personalities with that too. You know, Ric Flair was was in the heyday of the NWA. It didn't get more sports orientated than the NWA in the 80s, but that didn't stop Ric Flair from having a personality. He can get it done in the ring, and he still was had the flash and the pizzazz that made people want to watch. That's to me. That's that's what wrestling is missing right now. So he could be Ray Ryan could be a in your in your opinion a subpar wrestler, but if it's something if he does something every week that makes people want to watch, it won't matter how good or bad a wrestler he is because people are watching and they're going to go. What in the hell is that? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I got to see more of this because I don't know what the hell this is. We live in that society where you do something on the internet to get people to watch. Doesn't mean you have any discernible talent. You just did something to make people, that, that piqued people's curiosity. You look at any YouTube star, any Instagram star, you know, you like a lot of Instagram comedians who they probably can't get on stage and tell uh, uh, 10 minutes worth of jokes, but they can make a 10 second YouTube video or a 10 second Instagram video and people watch. So what's what's it going to be far as wrestling? Who's who's going to do that? Uh, no one. <laughs> well, we're in trouble. <laughs> and they're not in trouble. They're just they're fine. Like they're just always going to be. Yeah, fine. they're fine. It's it's it is what it is. But that until another boom period ain't going to happen until that happens. It's cool that AEW is on national TV right now, and they're going to get that rub when you know the basketball comes back, and they're going to promote it during basketball games. They already did that during the playoffs. They're going to do it again in the fall. And that's cool. And they don't want to do it during baseball because doesn't TNT or TBS has baseball games? I'm sorry, not TNT. But they might still do it on TBS. Either way, they're going to get that rub and it's going to bring, you know, I don't know if more eyeballs necessarily are going to come to wrestling, but the, all the people that watch wrestling now are going to be watching. And that's cool for them. And they get that spotlight, they get that rub. But just, you know, just because you got Kenny Omega, who's going to be the best in the world, doesn't mean five million people are going to suddenly watch. We'll Might be there. less. Vaughn, is there anything you would like to plug before we get out of here? Uh, well, we got my own podcast, uh, the Straight Shooters. That co-host my man Nick McCone, who's always also been on the show multiple times. 
so you can check that out on iTunes and everywhere else. Well, it's called Apple Podcasts now, I should say. But everywhere else you can find our podcasts, we're pretty much everywhere, including SoundCloud and Spotify and, of course, wildfireradio.com. Uh, we got 204 episodes in the can now. So we just did episode 204 uh, Thursday night, this past Thursday night. Uh, we got Patreon, patreon.com slash shooters radio. Got some exclusive content up there. We had some exclusive content with Blue Meanie. Uh, we talked about the, the uh, what's now known as the 2300 Arena, but it's formerly known as the ECW Arena. And of course, Blue Meanie's got a long history, you know, intimate history with that. But it also, this, this show is twofold. It's not just about the ECW Arena. It's also talking about the Eagles Super Bowl run, because where did we get our Super Bowl rings <laughs> last year? We got our Super Bowl rings at the 2300 Arena, which uh, is, yeah, mind-boggling to think about that the Eagles' first Super Bowl ring ceremony happened at the old ECW Arena. It's, for those who don't know, the 2300 Arena is as known now. It's much nicer than what it was back in the 90s. And we, when we went there for the ring ceremony, we even made it even nicer than what it already is. Uh, so you want to hear more about that, patreon.com slash radio. You can subscribe to that content and more for the nominal fee of $1.99. It's very inexpensive. You can't get a lot for $1.99 nowadays, but you can get some exclusive content from the straight shooters for $1.99. And uh, I'm on Twitter, at Vaughn M. Johnson. And uh, if you're in the Philly area, you might find me out here in these streets. And that's pretty much it. All right. Sounds good. Vaughn, always a pleasure, sir. Let's talk again soon. Straight up. I'm here for it. All right. Welcome back to the Jason was podcast Saturday afternoon now. And on the other line of hog sports, Pete Roulier. Did I get it right? Is it Roulier? Roulier, man. Hit it on the head. Okay, perfect. perfect. That usually doesn't happen to the first time, so I appreciate that, man. You've done your research. Awesome. Exactly. Okay, cool. Well, I've done a lot of research on the SEC West, and I've run the numbers, and um, I've got some bad news, Pete. Uh, Arkansas is in for another rough year. I think they are in for another rough year in the SEC West, and um, being unbiased, I, I just really do think it's the toughest division of football. I mean, you could yep. probably throw a couple others in there, but it'd be hard to debate that those seven schools are just year in, year out. They're always competitive. And, and Arkansas is a school that's usually pretty competitive year in and year out. But with all the turnover going on last year, ending up 2-10, and ten, there's not a lot of hope that they're going to get it done in the SEC West. But there is hope that they will improve. Vegas put the over-under odds at five and a half games. So the goal for this Arkansas team is a bowl game. Um, the race and part for of the six, baby. Race for six, baby. And, and part of that is they have four non-conference games against teams that would <laughs> that are um, not good. I guess is a nice way to put it. Uh, start <laughs> off the year against Portland State, play Colorado State. Colorado State actually beat Arkansas last year. I was gonna say, who did Portland State beat a couple of years ago that they shouldn't have beaten? Was it Oregon State? I think they beat Oregon State. I don't know. You might know more about that than I do. I, I can't. They have a big Division no. One win recently in the last couple of years, so we can't pencil that in for the Razorbacks. I don't think we have to. See you it. can't pencil them, but I think the hope in terms of what Vegas was doing was Arkansas is going to win their four uh, non-conference games, but mm-hmm. are they going to be able to get two two SEC games? They got a pretty tough SEC schedule coming up, as you alluded to. Yeah, um, 
like Gus Malzahn's probably going to get fired just because he's in the worst division in football for a coach to be in where it's like he would be the number two team in the ACC. The, this Auburn team would probably um, do very well in the big 12. They would do very well in the big 10, um, but it's the SEC West and they have Georgia and Alabama on their schedule. They have Texas A&M. They have just a lot of stuff in front of them. And he just, I don't see a path for them to win 10 games and maybe win the SEC West and keep his job. I just don't see it as a possibility. And it's just, you're like, it's hard to evaluate coaches and teams in the SEC West just because like Arkansas might finish last, but like, is that the third best team in the SEC East? Like if Arkansas played an East schedule, like are we right. sure that much different than Mizzou? I don't know. It just depends on like how you look at them. So um, I assume Arkansas fans are openly campaigning to move to the East and send someone uh, like Mizzou <laughs> to the West. Oh, uh, there's no open campaign about it. Actually, uh, Arkansas fans really do love the competition. They love being in the SEC. Why? That's dumb. They need to it's be dumb. more rational. No. <laughs> well, the conversations come up about is Arkansas a Big 12 team? You know, they used to be in the uh, old Southwest division, and a lot of people think it yeah. makes more sense to be moving into the Big 12. But mm. in terms of the revenue, and then yeah. you just if, you can't just think about football because in baseball, Arkansas is one of the best teams in the country and they constantly compete in the sec and is a very strong division. So they got the resources there and basically any other women's sport sec is the reason that Arkansas has like got their name out there. They love being in the sec and Arkansas football fans love being in the sec too. Just right now, the thing about here's the thing about being in the sec, Arkansas is rebuilding. There's no doubt about it. They went through a coaching change last year from a guy that likes to run the ball a lot. They recruit differently they got a whole new spread offense coming in with Chad Morris. It's going to take some time for any team to transition. There's going to be a couple losses in there. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter if you play the Big Ten, Big 12, freaking American Conference. It doesn't matter. There's going to be a couple losses in there for the turnover. But when you're trying to do that transition in the SEC West, that's when it gets – that's when a number like 2-10, and 10, that's when a 2-10 and 10 season rolls around because those, those games that you might win, you know, if you're in the American Conference in a rebuilding year – you can make a couple mistakes. If you make a mistake in the SEC West, you're going to lose that game. Then, in Arkansas's case, maybe two or three or four mistakes leads to a absolute like they got demolished by Auburn and Mississippi State last year. And it's not like it was a terrible team, but if you don't have your ducks in a row in the SEC West, you're gonna you're gonna get pummeled a lot. And so, um, I think the hope for Arkansas fans this year is that they got two graduate transfer quarterbacks and Nick Starkle and Ben Hicks. So. No matter who's going to be the starting quarterback day one or, I don't know, do week 10. <laughs> I knew you were going to ask you that. Um, I think Ben Hicks is going to be a starter week one. He got in here early and he's uh, he enrolled early. He was with his team this spring. He kind of has um, – I'm not going to say he has a team, but he definitely has a coach. He played with Chad Morris for three years at SMU. Um, he's a record holder. He holds all the passing records at SMU. Um, just the fact that he came in the spring and kind of already has the pulse of um, the coaching staff, I think that gives him the advantage week one. but um, if you watch Nick Starkle's film, man, and uh, Jimbo Fisher's even said this, he, he's he's got a very talented arm. Um, the fact that Kellen Mond was able to uh, come in and beat him out for that starting position at A&M says a lot about Kellen Mond. So I think getting Starkle is going to be a huge deal. And I think that um, if Ben Hicks continues to get it done against these non-conference opponents, um, maybe, just maybe, he'll, he'll keep that starting job because Starkle has another year. But I think um, coaching staff, players, and fans alike would like to see Nick Starkle get in there. Maybe that Texas A&M game. So there's probably going to be 
both like they're probably both going to play this year. Like we're going to see both. Absolutely, yeah. No, there's not a doubt in my mind that Startle's going to get a chance to play. Um, just based on his talent, he's the prototypical size. Like I said, if you watch his film, the kid the kid can absolutely spin it. And, and it's probably not even close in terms of talent between Starkle and Hicks. Hicks has just been in this offense for so long. He's got the advantage going in. Um, it's he's not the incumbent starter like what you think like a lot of teams is, but it, it, it kind of feels like he is just because Ty Story and uh, Cole Kelly you played last year are gone. So there's only one guy that was here for for spring that could really be an established quarterback, and that was Ben Hicks. But the talented guy, the more talented guy is Nick Starkle, and I think that by the end of the year he's going to be started for his backs. So Chad Morris, it's year two. Um, I think you get a mulligan, like you said. Like it's easy to forget the transition of going from um, just a run heavy Big Ten style offense to right. Chad Morris's scheme. Like it's just going to take a couple of years to get those kind of players. We'll see that at Tech this year, going from. Uh, Paul Johnson to Jeff Collins like there's just you have to look at everything going on there so the Bielma system is just there's still gonna be remnants of Mm -hmm. his guys and all that kind of stuff so you just have to like look at what they look like year three and as Chad Moore is going to be able to recruit well enough in that division to get them to be able to compete do you think he is the guy when they made the hire and they made the switch were you on board with it were you were you okay with it I think I was okay with it just because of it seems like Brett Bielema was kind of at the end of his career. He felt complacent. And it really showed the last season that he was at Arkansas that um, oh, maybe he wasn't as into it as, as he should have been in terms of recruiting. And then when Chad Morris came, the exciting thing about Chad Morris was he was at Clemson, who was a winner. Actually, actually Clemson, it's kind of like Arkansas in the fact that they're kind of, you know, they were an all right team, an all right program. You know, people wanted to go there, but and then that turned into this powerhouse. So the long shot hope that Chad Morris can become some Clemson guy was pretty, I mean, that, that made fans pretty happy. And then he's got the Texas high school background, which is what made people really happy because to win Arkansas, you have to recruit in Texas, especially East Texas. And you said Chad Morris got a mulligan for year one. Going two and 10, that's pretty hard to get a mulligan, especially in Arkansas where we love our football, right? But the fact that he went out and recruited I'm going to say that I think it was a number 23 recruiting class according to 24-7 sports in the country after a 2-10 and record is pretty incredible. So I think fans are really forgiving. They got some good players in that can probably play next year, especially wide receiver Trey Knox, four-star guy out of Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Um, man, yeah, he, he is recruiting. He's got people excited. And, and it's just insane to me that a 2-10 and coach is getting this much hype. But it makes sense because Arkansas is tired – of being bad, they give him one year mulligan. They're going to give him a mulligan again this year. Uh, maybe not a two and ten mulligan. Maybe go out and win those non-conference games. But yeah, he's going to get another mulligan this year. And then year three, you said it. And the SEC year three is really make it or break it. If he's not going to be winning SEC games in a year three, then it's going to be another long, long transition process. So I think what what fans are hoping for is it's going to work out, and they're going to give Chad Morris as much of a long leashes they can because they don't want to go through another transition phase they don't want to go through another phase of a coach coming in and saying all these cliches and all these mottos um they want to believe morris i think um just the fact that he went out and recruited so well that fans are pretty excited about what he's going to bring to the table well i've got good news um they went two and ten his first year at smu following year five and seven right excited just just short of bowling that's that's what you like to get excited about Oh, Arkansas fans would um, love to go five and seven. I think 
But I, I don't want to. I don't want to talk about that. Arkansas <laughs> fans going five and seven. That might be a little shaky. Just people have very high expectations here. Um, I, I want that to be known. Like it's not that like five and seven is is what's expected. But in year two under Morris, it's been so bad that maybe some fans mm. would be happy with five and seven. But then yeah, keep on going. Um, He's um, in an elite club though that I love that I in my Chad Morris research. He is one of four coaches right now in Division One who did not play college football. Can you guess the other three? Okay, I'm, I'm Mike Leach is one, right? Yes. Mike Leach. Oh, man. Put me on the spot here. Um, let's see. Uh, Chip, Chip Kelly? No. Nope. Chip Kelly? No. no oh, Chip man. Kelly played. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'll give you a, give I'll, me a, give me a hint. Give me a hint. Extremely difficult. One of these is extremely difficult. I don't think you're going to get it. David Cutcliffe. Okay, yeah, I wouldn't have got that. I would have assumed he was a quarterback in like 1965. Somebody. <laughs> it like kind of sounds like it, yeah. Yeah. Um, man, it, if you tell me, I'm going to be mad. Go ahead and just let it go because I'm not going to Dykes. Sonny it's Dykes. all the air raid guys. It's interesting. Well, yeah, because it's more of like a science. It's more of a uh, – Right, like he actually more has a background in – Exactly, in mathematics. And uh, Mike Leach probably majored on in like – 10,000 different subjects. I don't know. But I was yeah. going to say, Mike Leach, I don't even want to know what he majored in and what he was doing in college. He just that is the gift that keeps on giving, quote-wise. Mike Leach and is... just uh, on the field-wise. I did radio for about three or four years here locally, and every single day I type in Mike Leach on YouTube and just try to find an audio clip. And Honestly, most days I come up with something magical about Indians or Pirates or something, man. That dude is, that dude is awesome, but... Yeah, no, for some reason it seems to work with these guys, right? It's not like these guys are unsuccessful. Mike Leach is one of the most successful, I mean, I'd say at least like top 25 successful coaches of this decade, right? So, I mean, it seems to work. And what what does it matter if these guys are what, uh, like, you know, 50 anyway? No one's going to care if they played ball back in their day. Um, Man, yeah. And it's not like most of these head coaches were good at football anyway, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? Um... (laughs) Yeah, I understand. Um, so the Clemson stuff is like what he gets tossed around, but it's like he had a lot of different jobs. He had the Texas background, everything else. He um, obviously has Texas ties and all that kind of stuff. But I guess the biggest thing that I'm looking for is what kind of staff he continues to fill out. Like, is Gene Chavis going to be the DC for the next 10 years? Like, I mean, he's already been the defensive coordinator, I think, for every SEC team. Um, this was his last time, like I Right. I think this um, might be a stop. The thing about John Chavis is, I think that the that, John um, Chavis, excuse me, why did I say Gene? Oh, Gene Chizik, and I just went Gene. Uh, I just combined Gene Chizik. Gene Chizik, yeah, it's the same thing, man. No, no big deal. But yeah, Chavis. The thing about him, man, is Morris loves that he's an older guy that's been around and done it in the SEC, and that's what a lot of people liked about him uh, when he had the shot hired because Chad Morris wasn't really an SEC guy before he came in, and neither was offensive coordinator Joe Craddock. But to have it. There's something about this SEC thing. I don't know, man. I don't know where you're from or what, but there's this thing that you have to have experience in the SEC to come back and coach. And I think it makes a little bit of sense because the league is just so different. So that's the reason he brought John Chavis in is because this guy's got the most experience, right? But Chad Morris might be, um, I don't know, depending on how the defense goes this year, Chad Morris is all about recruiting. And maybe he feels that Chavis isn't really like going – he's not a go-getter like all the other young guys on the staff. So – um, if Chavis doesn't really get it done this year, I could see them making a change. But I don't know, man. Uh, it'll just be a matter of how it goes this year. It's just going to be very interesting. And the storyline will come next season, I feel like. This is just going to be another experimental season. 
And honestly, Arkansas can surprise some people and win some games, especially if Starkle's playing quarterback. Well, let's talk about their offense. So they that's what we're all going to be watching. Chad Morris, like getting more of his guys to scheme in there. He's going to have either Hicks or Starkle. Like it's going to be a better looking offense than what they had last year at the very least, which can help when you're going to be bad, at least having an entertaining offense. That goes a long way. Um, Are there offensive skill position guys that you like coming in this year outside of the quarterbacks? I like I like Rakeem Boyd at running back a lot. Um, Rakeem Boyd, I don't know if you watched Last Chance U. He played for Independence Community College mm-hmm. last year. Broke out. He had a um, he just he had to take a while to get into the offense, but once he was integrated into the offense, he was probably the most electric player on the field uh, when he was out there playing. So he's going to be healthy coming in this year. Actually, Arkansas is the only school in the SEC that have two players on the Doak Walker Award watch list, and that's him and senior dub all Whaley, so a little lightning and thunder kind of running back duo going on over there. And then the freshman trade knocks at wide receiver is going to be, I, I mentioned him earlier, he's got the size and athleticism to be one of the best um, receivers in the SEC. Probably not this season, but they're going to try to get the ball, the, <laughs> they're, trying to, they're going to try to get the ball into his hands as much as possible. Um, he's just probably the best receiver that Arkansas has right now, the Mike Woods. He's going to be in his second year. He's another guy that can probably make some noise. Um, we mentioned Starkle. The offensive line, you, you lose three starters. They all um, – Froholt got drafted by the Patriots, I think, in the fourth round, and then the other guys got picked up for some contracts. So probably three of your best offensive linemen. But they're better in terms of depth, which is a big deal because there was injury over last year. So you're going to be able to have guys that can step in and uh, fill that role. Um, and then in terms of the offense – I don't know if Chad Morris was able to put his whole offense in last year with the kind of um, with the kind of personnel he had. So now he's got Hicks, which is a guy that's been with him for three years, and then Starkle, who he thinks is a smart quarterback. And year two, getting all these guys um, maybe like more experience, he's going to be able to put his full playbook in there. So you're going to see more of what he wants to do, kind of like an SMU when he had like two and ten the first season. That improvement comes from just learning the playbook and being with Coach Morris because it's not an easy offense to learn. So I think that you will see some improvements, especially on offense. And, yeah, if you want to get into defense, that's a whole different story. Who is the next next uh, Marcus Monk? Who is the next Marcus Monk? Uh, Trey Knox. I don't know. The next Marcus okay. Monk, I think we like to say that it would be maybe the next Greg Childs. Or, um, I don't know, maybe Joe Adams. Were they both 85? Am I misremembering, or were they both 85? Childs was 85, yeah. And, so uh, they Mark- both were, because Monk was too. Yeah. I think maybe Monk was 80. I'd have to look it up, but I don't know. I thought he was 85. I could be wrong. I thought he was. I just found out, though, he's the brother of Malik Monk. Didn't know that. You just now found that out? Yeah, that's that's the big deal, man. Uh, Marcus Monk was huh. actually on campus the other day hanging out with Coach Musselman, and uh, I got a lot of pushback on Twitter, just the whole Malik Monk thing. That's a, if you wanted, that's probably a whole podcast for itself if you want to get into the whole Malik Monk thing here at Arkansas. Oh, but, yeah, he, like before he went to Kentucky, he was like supposed to go to Arkansas. Is there something there? Oh yeah, man. Um, oh, see, I missed all this. Benville and well, if you're an Arkansas kid, this is, here's the thing about the state: there's no pro team in mm. Arkansas. Arkansas Razorback football, basketball, and baseball is it, and people live and breathe it. And if you're living in Arkansas, there's gonna be a lot of people in your ear telling you where to go. And Mark, and sorry, Malik. For the longest time, people thought that Arkansas had a legitimate shot. And then when uh, when he went to Kentucky and finally like committed to Kentucky, there was a lot of speculation about why he did it. 
And, and, and honestly, the answer is obvious. It's because Kentucky is a better place. It's one and done. you got to go to Kentucky if you're one of the best players in the nation, right? But right. if you're a kid from Arkansas, there's so much expectation. So people started speculating. Well, Marcus, that was in his ear telling him, just do whatever you want to do, you know? So, I mean, obviously, as a, as a journalist, I don't really care where he goes, you know? Whatever's best for the kid. But a lot of people and a lot of fans are really heartbroken by the uh, Malik Monk situation. Interesting. And now I'm going to do a deep dive into this podcast. Um, post Jeff Long, do you like the new AD? Hunter Yurichek? Is that how you pronounce it? Hunter Yurichek, yeah. You can't he be has, Hunter when you look like he does, by the way. He's at least 55, and you can't be Hunter. Hunter's like a young dude name. He has to like he has to be Hunter or something. I don't think you can be like a... Hunter is a weird old guy name. It just feels wrong to me. Really? I mean, I, he... he He's probably one of the most intelligent hunters I've ever met. I'm just kidding. Okay. I, so you're a fan. That might have been a shot. No, 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 no. I, no, yeah, I think, I think everyone in Arkansas is a fan of the hunter you shit right now because he hasn't had to make that hard decision yet. He came in, and uh, obviously the first thing he had to do was hire a coach. And he hired Chad Morris. They go 2-10, and 10, blah, blah, blah. But whatever, right? Like, there's not been any huge, like, firing decisions yet because right now he's riding that wave. He made he fired Mike Anderson, which a lot of people approved of. Um, that wasn't really a hard decision, I don't think, because uh, man, a lot of people were calling for it. He's kind of just done what the fan base wants him to do at this point. He's been that kind of. I mean, Musselman's uh, a big hire. Musselman, everyone thought that was a great hire, but, but we haven't seen how it's going to work out yet. So Chad Morris is a complete bust. They go two and ten, two two more seasons in a row. He's going to have to make harder decisions. Derek Musselman doesn't work out. Maybe the SEC is not really what, you know, that's that's not what he's used to, and he can't win here. Then uh, I'm just I'm telling you, man, it's hard to win in Arkansas just because of recruiting wise of where they're at and um, the competition oh, they have to Musselman's go against. A really strong hire, like Musselman, like what the, Nevada was legitimately awesome the last two years, and they were right. Like, no, what you're, I, last year. yeah, no, I know what you're saying. That's what your check right now is like on top he's of the world. Jeff Long. Every, yeah, everyone loves him, but everyone loved Jeff Long when he hired Brett Bielma because Brett Bielma was a great hire, everyone thought, at the time. And then it didn't work out, and then Jeff Long was the worst, right? Um, well, Bobby Petrino is available, so if it doesn't work out with Chad Morris after year three, you can circle that wagon. Hey, man, yeah. I mean, people would love to see Bobby back. Honestly, <laughs> no. Do, the, really? the, no. No, okay. no, that, that, that's over, but people do look back fondly at the, at the product on the field. And they look back at that time and the uh, motorcycle wreck as what went wrong with Razorback football. And rightfully so. I mean, Arkansas has not been as good on the field since 2010. There was a couple of good years with Bielema. Um, good as in Liberty Bowl good, Texas Bowl good. But uh, nothing compared to going to the Sugar Bowl, um, the Cotton Bowl. Nothing, nothing compared to those Bob Petrino days, man, um, in the last, since, the, since the 2000s. So everyone just looks at it like it was an unfortunate thing that happened. Um, you know, Arkansas is a southern state. We, uh, we like our religion. And, you know, when, when he did that and, and how it all unfolded, it was just everyone agreed it was time for him to go, but it was sad to see him go because, I mean, his time in Arkansas was one of the most electric times since, since the 2000s, really in Arkansas history. All right. Well, if you had to guess what uh, Arkansas does this year, if you had to put a, a, a number on how many wins this team gets like if you look at the schedule let's go through the schedule real quick and we'll we'll figure it out right now all right what Arkansas you got it pulled up? Is gonna do oh you already have it pulled up 
No, do you have it pulled up? Yeah, I don't, I don't have it I'm pulled up. I'm doing it right now. Up. Perfect, man. Okay. While we're talking, we know we got Port- okay, Portland State. I'll chop that one up here. at the dub. Okay. All right. At Keep Ole Miss, I am going to give them a win. You can give I don't Arkansas a win. Coral yet. I'm not a big like we're gonna that's see. Like, There's a really good athletic piece on Coral that I I love Tiamu. I'm gonna miss him every day. Like that dude right. was insane. Um, they lost their OC because don't they have a new one? I I think. I think it's, is it Rich Rod? the one who recruited him, and Longo is gone. He went somewhere else. Where'd he go? I think it's Rich Rod. Yeah, it's Rich Rod, and then Phil Longo left. Yeah, mm-hmm. he went to North Carolina, so he's Mac Brown's OC. And That's right. Coral's bounced around. The Florida stuff got weird. Everything like USC when he was in high school, and then like I, I don't know. We'll have to see with Ole Miss. I'm not sure. I, I'll bad, give, bad. I'm going to right now give Arkansas a win here. I think that would not shock me at all if they start out two and zero. That's the big Colorado one. State at home. Those SEC 3-0. wins. You got to get those. Yeah, he's going to three and zero. Wow. No, heading into October, which would be huge, and, and that would give you. You need only need to win two more games the rest of the season if you want to make that six win mark. Texas A&M at home. Uh, that's going to be a loss. Um, that's, so that's the game's in Arlington. Win. The game's in Arlington. It's the uh, annual game. Arkansas hasn't beaten Texas A&M since they got into the SEC. And every year, Arkansas thinks they can get over the hump. And they played Texas A&M very well. There's been some unfortunate events. I wouldn't be surprised if Arkansas um, won that game, especially if Starkle goes in that game as a starting quarterback, kind of a revenge game. But I don't blame you at all for chalking that one up for as a loss. I'm buying a lot of Texas A&M stock right now. Maybe that's part of it. Um, I think that's safe Kentucky, to do. I at Kentucky. We'll yeah, I could. I feel like you're filling out your Kentucky. paper right now. Okay, I'm going to go, go Kentucky. Four and two. Um, Auburn at home. That's going to be a loss. Four and three. Um, at Alabama. Four and four. Are you sure? State. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Go back. Okay. Mississippi State. All right. Four and five. I think they're going to lose Mississippi State. I think Mississippi State's going to be good this year. Uh, Western Kentucky, five and five. Mm-hmm. At LSU, five and six. But that game's always weird. Missouri you know might stuff, be man. it. It's going to come down to the, I think it's going to come down to the last game of the season. It's a going to be Missouri at that. home. The three swing games I think a lot of people are talking about are Kentucky. You said it. Yep. Um, Ole Miss is going to be a swing game. Are they going to be able to get that game in the second? Then that's going to be the biggest game of the year, I think. And then Texas A&M, just because it's in Arlington and Jerry World. Um, that one's always interesting as well. So there's three swing games right there. And then you mentioned Missouri at the very end of the year. How's Kelly Bryant going to be? Is he going to be held at the very end of the season? Yeah, nothing to play be. for either. Like, that's something that's going to help you because they, unless they win this appeal, they're not playing for a bowl game. Exactly. That's a really good point. It's a very valid point. Um, yeah, this is podcast season and the radio season, so we're just now starting to go through the schedule and look at every single win and losses. So you're doing me a big favor helping out with the Arkansas radio stations right now as we're going through this. I'm, I'm thinking to myself do these games as well. Um, yeah, Missouri will most likely, it'll, it'll really very possibly come down to if they're going to get a bowl game, um, that Missouri game. And it'll be huge if Arkansas can get a bowl game for recruiting and a lot of, a lot of things. That game's going to be gigantic. Yeah, I agree. All right, Pete, is there anything you would like to uh, plug before we get out of here? Yeah, man, everyone go up. Uh, might not necessarily be an Arkansas Razorbacks fan, but 24-7 sports is great for um, all things recruiting, all things 
college football right now, like anything you got going on, if you have a favorite college football team, I'm sure 24-7 sports has got a page for you. Um, go check them out. They've been great to me, and um, I appreciate you guys listening. All right. Well, thank you for making the time on a Saturday. Pete, we'll have to do this again soon when uh, our, our predictions uh, ring true in a few months. All right, man. I appreciate you doing what you're doing and keep on grinding. You're doing this independently, right? Yes, sir. Man, I appreciate the hustle. That's that's I respect it, man. Good for you. 315, 16, something in a row. Yeah, do four a week. Yeah, it's a, wow, man. It's a grind. No days that's off, baby. Bro. That's impressive, man. All right, take it easy. Thanks, Pete. And that'll do it for today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. I uh, just want to remind you guys, if you like today's episode and you are subscribed on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, I would really appreciate if you could take a second, leave the show a five-star rating and a review. If uh, you're not an Apple Podcast listener, remember you can find the show on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Uh, be sure to check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com where you can access all of my previous episodes and also find all my writing. I'm writing there fairly often. And also follow me on Twitter at Chase underscore Thomas and like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. Uh, thank you for your support and we'll be back with another episode very soon. Thanks guys. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.